through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy.
so glad that you're here today at Victory Christian Fellowship. We're just excited to praise the Lord, and God's going to do great things today. As our praises go up, His presence will come down. Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are an awesome God, and we bless your holy and wonderful name. We're gathered together today. We're unified in heart and spirit, and Lord, we're going to give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Are you ready to worship this morning? Bring us living 
that loneliness in the name of Jesus. We say it has to go. your presence in this place. Lord, you are good, Master, Savior, Lord. We acknowledge you. And Lord, we thank you for speaking to your people. I have given you power and authority in my name. Wherever the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours. 
possess miracles, possess my promises, possess my goodness, possess my grace, possess my strength. You can have what you stand on. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Praise God. You know, VCF is actively reaching out in, into our community, right? And uh, we had a group of people uh, go out on Saturday. If you were part of that group, just want you to stand. I know some people of the worship team were there. Hallelujah. And uh, we're just going to see some highlights of uh, us reaching out as a church. So you can... Uh, Play that. I feel like we need to give you some context. This is, we started a new ministry last Sunday called VCF Sports Chapel. And this is where we went out to the field right down the road from us and shared and sang. You see Abby and Devon with the trusty acoustic guitar singing worship <laughs> for the uh, families that were bringing their children to do sports on the weekend. So um, that's a new ministry that we've started, and we're connecting with all the folks that rent that field to see if they would let us provide this service to their families. And before that, you saw our youth group in the square in Palmyra, and they were witnessing and praying for folks, and maybe they can give a little testimony. Are you sharing, uh, Melissa, are you? Okay, Melissa can share what happened. Hey, everybody. All right, so perfect segue into announcements because um, the youth and other members of the church, we've been going out to the square. We're going every week, either Friday night or Saturday morning, so we get, you know, different crowds in the square, different times of day, different days of the week, and it's been awesome. We've discovered there's a lot of people in Palmyra who do not speak English. Yeah, we've had um, a Spanish person come up to us, and we had um, a Hindi woman come up to us, and we shared the gospel the best of our ability, gave them tracts, like prayed for them, and then discovered, like I said, that we need to increase our skills, right, to reach the people in our community. So we also have been playing worship. Um, Devon plays the guitar, or we, like, play music, and it, you can definitely tell it changes the atmosphere in the square People drive through, honk their horns, my favorite thing, make all sorts of noise for the kingdom of Jesus, right? So that's what we've been doing. You are more than welcome to join us. In fact, this Friday um, on July 7th, we'll be out there from 6.30 to 7.30. So it's just an hour. You wave to people, say good evening, pray for them if they need to. Like, we're just there to be encouraging and everything. And... um, one lady stopped by she took our picture because she wants to like post on social media and with like the newspapers that good things are happening in Palmyra so we're also making connections too (laughs) 
So on this Wednesday, it's Wednesday Night Refreshing. I encourage you to bring people with you. And like I mentioned, Friday then is the square from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Don't show up at 6.30 in the morning. We won't be there. (laughs) And this Saturday is our youth breakfast. That is from 9 to 11. So we have all sorts of goodness for breakfast. And then we just spend time worshiping. We have a message. It's a wonderful time. And we do it once a month. So youth, 12 and older, come on out for that. And next Sunday, we are having a special celebration for our very own Dr. Fiona. It will be her 50th birthday. (laughs) So we're giving you all a heads up for next Sunday. We're going to have a big celebration, bring lots of gifts, lots of cards. We're going to have a blast, okay, to celebrate Dr. Fiona and all that she's done and her life here on earth. (laughs) And then... Two Sundays from now, okay, we are having a baptism. So we'll still have service as normal, but then afterwards we'll have a baptism. So if you are interested in being baptized, you can see Pastors Nadine or Pastor Nelson about that or let the church office know if you're interested in participating. And you can also ask them for more details as well. And then at the end of this month for July, because it's July already, it's July 2nd. So on July 22nd, The Air Force is leaving for Florida to go to the fire conference. (laughs) We are so excited, like, just so excited. Um, So thank you to everybody who has been supporting us through Palazzo Creations. We have a bunch of new goodies for you, and it's perfect because it's the 4th of July weekend, so you don't even have to cook. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and one more announcement. You are invited to the High Value Woman Group. I wanted to let all the women know that we've been having a great time. The first month of June went fabulous. We learned about vision and missions and how they work together and so to help you accomplish things. And we had new people join us. And if you are not good with Facebook or technology, it's okay. We can help you, okay? So don't let that be like a hindrance or anything like that because the information is worth it and connecting with others. All right. My fact that I want to share with you, have you guys heard of the Fibonacci sequence before? It's where you add numbers together, basically. So you start with 1 plus 1, and that gets 2. And then 1 plus 2 is 3, and 2 plus 3 is 5. And so it adds the two numbers that come before it. It's also known as, like, the golden ratio. It's a whole math thing. But you can see it a lot in nature with, like, sunflowers and, like, snails. And even, like, um, when they study, like, human anatomy, like the curves of people's ears and stuff, it follows like this ratio called the golden ratio, which is based on the Fibonacci sequence. So that's nothing kind of new, but what I just discovered is the reason that that happens, okay? Because it happens with electricity when it strikes the ground, and it even happens, you know, like when you turn on the faucet and like the water hits the sink and then it like splatters out everywhere. Even the water pattern follows that, like storm patterns, weather patterns. They all follow the Fibonacci sequence, and it's because energy travels in the Fibonacci sequence in that, like, spiral, which is the same spiral that's in your DNA. I was so excited. I was like, (laughs) all of this to basically tell you, okay, that even in your DNA, there's, like, this cool spiral that's happening, and the Fibonacci is based on 
like growing on what comes before it, right? So I was thinking about how our God is a generational God, right? And so his entire energy, his entire being is based on generations and future things to come, right? So even in your DNA is like all the faith of like the people of the past. As we learn that like, you know, we're heirs of Abraham's seed and like the promise and the covenant, like we get all of that plus more and we get to continue building on that. Isn't that awesome? So that concludes our announcements. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, God's in the people business. And uh, years ago, he s- established this church long before we were here. And uh, he wants to reach people. And we want to reach people too. So any, any opportunity that we have to go into our community to share the gospel uh, to invite people and just to talk to people, that's what we want to do. And you may not believe this, but it's the easiest thing that you could ever do. And uh, if you just start doing it, you'll be amazed at how the Holy Spirit will help you. And um, he just needs someone to strike up a conversation. Say, I'm, I'm that person. Say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Use me. Send me. In Jesus' name. All right. Now I want to uh, just uh, share with you uh, from the book of Philippians, chapter 4. You know, the book of Philippians is a book about partnership. And uh, the Philippians, you know, it started from a jail. You know, where Paul and Silas were in a jail and they began to praise God. And uh, God had a jailhouse rock, you know, and the rest was history. Well, uh, you know, some say that that jailer became the pastor of the church in Philippi. And they had an encounter, he had an encounter with God, his family got saved. And uh, in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 15, it says this, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, And you Philippians know that in the early days of preaching the gospel, After I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Wow. So this one church that had an amazing, that started with an amazing encounter with God, they were in partnership with Paul. And it says, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself. But I do seek the profit which increases to your heavenly account. Did you know that you have a heavenly account? Hallelujah. And your account, it's called the giving and receiving account. You know, in order to receive from that account, you've got to put things into that account. Right? And the way we put things into our heavenly account is through giving. Giving tithes, giving offerings, giving alms, and giving first fruits. And, uh, of course, you know... The tithe is the Lord's. That's not even ours. So technically we're not giving it to him. We're just bringing it back to him, right? But anything above a tithe is an offering. Now, we have an opportunity today to invest in a ministry. And I have seen the ministry of uh, Andrew and Ann Taylor uh, personally. Well, actually one part in Fiji. Uh, They have a Bible school there. They have a Christian school there. Uh, They have a ministry in India They have another Bible school in Indonesia. I'm telling you, they're touching the world. 
Amen? And uh, they live in America for three months out of the year. So uh, we're just excited, and you, get to, you have an opportunity to invest in that. So if you want to mark, if you want to give a special offering, market guest, you can make a check out to VCF. If you need a card, you can go to the bookstore. If you're watching online, you can go to the website. All kinds of ways for you to give. But how many know we want to be a church at VCF say we partner with ministries? Amen? And, and we, we're in the people blessing business, aren't we? So uh, in your giving today, you can do that, Father. I give you thanks and praise. Lord, I pronounce the blessing of God on your people and on their gifts. And I thank you, Lord, that their seeds are multiplied and you cause all grace to abound to them, that they have all sufficiency in all things that they can abound to every good work. And we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. We have some kids who are ready to experience the presence of God in their class, right? Kids living in faith every day. We want our kids to live in faith. Amen? So in order for them to live in faith, we've got to teach faith and practice faith. So our kids are going to get some faith today, right? So kids, go to your class. Have a great time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, a couple years ago, uh, Gabriel and uh, Fiona's brother, Ron, and I, uh, we visited uh, the Bible school in Fiji and uh, just had a great and glorious time, saw the ministry there, and uh, Andrew and Anne are just a a wonderfully anointed couple, uh, men and women of God, and uh, they are are touching the world uh, in different parts. And we're so grateful to be able to benefit from their ministry here today. And uh, I just want you to give a warm VCF welcome as Andrew comes and ministers the word. And uh, whatever, the whole, whatever else the Holy Spirit uh, wants to do, it's going to be great and wonderful. So let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you, Pastors Doug and Fiona. And I need to share a couple of things personally about this congregation. And like, you know, the Schmitz, the Schleritz, <laughs> the Teets, the uh, Rhodes. Uh, and others of you, I may not know the last name, but I know you by first name. Not everybody, but so that just tells you how obviously a pastor is the Piscus. But uh, I... I we have we've been blessed to develop that level of personal relationship with this congregation and for that we thank the lord and we want to bless you as ministers for having us as the pastors for having us so often something else about your congregation your your pastors you need to know i'm going to tell on them so this is our 34th year in ministry in full-time ministry I actually began the holy spirit started me out at the age of maybe 20 or something like that. But no minister or local church pastor is obliged to have us as their guest ministry for a Sunday. We just let them know we are coming and if it works, they invite us to come. So it's an honor for us to be here. Uh, Last year, it didn't work in the schedule for your pastors to have us. And that's fine. In fact, 
They, they're not even obliged to respond to us. But do you know what your pastors did last year? They caught up with us, came down to where we were in Lancaster, took us out to lunch, had fellowship and blessed us with a lunch treat and gave us a check even for not having us. <laughs> in 34 years of ministry, we have never been honored in that way. Here's a gift for not even coming in. <laughs> so you're very blessed. I just needed to, to, to tell on them. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. Nothing embellished about it. And hopefully people who know me know that I'm kind of that way, that kind of a guy. Uh, so, yeah, I just need to share that up front. Uh, if we have the, uh, do we have that? Oh. Uh, by the way, thanks to the lockdown, we may have mentioned this in the past, the Lord increased our ministry. And that's how a YouTube channel started. Now there's been over 30,000 views, 2,000 plus subscribers, and 407 as of this week uh, uploads. In fact, the most recent upload was yesterday. The title is, What Kind of a Nut Am I? Because I was eating pistachio nuts. And some are easy to open, some are more tough to open, some you need a nutcracker, a specialist has to come in, and some are just hollow and empty. True or false? And the Holy Spirit quickened that to me. What kind of, I didn't say what kind of nut are you, I said am I? <laughs> That's the latest upload. So if you would subscribe, it's very simple, search and subscribe. If you do the, start search with the at symbol, not A-T, with the at symbol, Andrew, N for no nonsense, Taylor. You know, in airline language, you say, N for November. It's too placid for my personality. So, at Andrew N. Taylor. And if you subscribe, we'd be honored. Um, so, that's uh, that. And we could go into our uh, PowerPoint just briefly then. Uh, App Foundation is his own 501c3 status. Uh, and babe, would you come up and just touch a little bit on Door of Hope? And she's got a that's her passion. She, Anne, has a passion for the poor, the homeless, and the underprivileged. That's why she married me. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think that's a joke? <laughs> she's also an architect, an engineer, an architect by profession. She doesn't practice that anymore. But the greatest mistake she married, made in, 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 in marrying me was she thought she'd redesign me. <laughs> Oh, by the way, and just before she starts, I see one person by personal invite. John Gibble. John, would you, would you raise your hand for a second? John, and he hardly raises his hand. Just take it up. Yeah. His dad is the senior partner of Gibble, Crable, and Hess, lawyers in Lancaster. So don't try anything with us. We'll sue the pastor. <laughs> but John was a student of mine at Christian School and in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he's the CEO of Home Instead. Uh, they have a couple of franchises. So if you have el elderly folk that need a caring, a carer, talk to John after this, or contact me, I'll give you the contact information. Uh, so you have a Christian CEO, my former student, really honored to have him here this morning. Is there anybody else by personal invite? Okay, babe, you're up. Uh, Door of Hope, uh, you can touch on that. Yeah, well, for those of you who haven't heard, the Door of Hope is a, a free daycare for very poor children from the surrounding slums. And what we do is we uh, 
care for them, we love them, we feed them, and we sow the seed of the gospel through just little choruses from the Bible and Christian stories. Um, the latest update on our, on our, well, for those of you who know about Door of Hope, what I wanted to testify is that my staff, are four young ladies who were Hindus who are now not only believers, but uh, prayer warriors. And that is a huge uh, blessing because it all trickles from the top down. And uh, uh, because they pray over the children, we all pray over the children, uh, there is a, a marked improvement in the way they teach and the way they bless not only the children, but their parents and mostly their mothers because they are the ones who are more involved in the lives of the children. You done good? All right, there we go. You can give the mic to Pastor. We can do the next slide. And while you're looking at that, you know something else that blessed me? I go to the restroom here, and there's a sign about bless the children's home in Guyana. And here's another thing I thought about your pastors and your church. The unselfishness of this congregation, Victory Christian Fellowship. You have a direct connection with Bless the Children's Home in Guyana, but yet you insist and persist in blessing other ministries too. So all these things go through my mind. Wow, God bless this church. Bless their vision. Bless this ministry. So anyway, so back to the Door of Hope. It's $10 a month to sponsor one of the children at Anne's home. Next slide. Uh, That's a vacation Bible school. And by the way, we eat the same food that they do. And look at my profile. Next. <laughs> Next. She thinks that's funny, is it? Okay. Uh, those who demonstrate a scholastic aptitude and graduate is from 18 months to four years. They go to the local government schools, which are quite underfunded. So we sponsored them, those who dem- demonstrate a scholastic aptitude, to an English medium school. So they could become your next generation, uh, uh, you know, what do you call them, babe? tech support when you buy hello my name is Philip Brown how can I help you today (laughs) it's not Philip Brown but imagine (laughs) we call them pseudonyms but imagine coming from a slum level to becoming your tech support person just because they were educated in English medium school so next slide Uh, that's $15 sorry $12.50 a month for those children who go to English medium school, covers their books, tuition, uniform, etc. Next slide. Uh, that's the building in India. The first floor is the whole uh, Door of Hope new floor. Next slide. Uh, and with APT Foundation, which, which is now on its 34th year. So Anne and I have been married for 14 years. You know, Pastor Duggan, you know, how, talking about uh, the women's ministry, how jaded some people are. We've been, my first wife went to be with the Lord in 2007. We got married in 2010 in Australia and Adelaide. And uh, when I came back each summer, the second year we'd been married, someone asked us, so how long have you and I been married? I said, two years. Oh, you survived the first year. That's good. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear. But to be fair, I mean, getting married when you're 50 is not the same as 20. You know, you're quite set in your ways, established and everything with your patterns, so it takes a lot more adjustment. But the number one issue is your commitment to Christ. Yes. And so they were like stunned. Second year, well, I guess we broke all records. We're now in our 14th year. All right. Sorry to disappoint you, but that's, that's, 
So we've established that Pastor Doug has a clear rundown. We've got the Bible College and Christian School in, in Fiji Islands, a Bible College in, in Indonesia. We pioneered a Bible College in North India, which is running independently now, an Anne's project for children from the slums in India. One of our alumni in Indonesia now pastors a church of over 2,000 people in the northwestern part of the island of Java. I know you just associate that with coffee, but <laughs> it's... Hindu hardened. It's the, it's the biggest Muslim country. Uh, not Hindu, Muslim. Uh, just uh, And he's got a church of about 2,000 there. That's Torcas. Next slide. Uh, these two former alumni of us ministered to homeless people on the streets of Jakarta, over 200 of them. Next. Next slide. Uh, our student body with a dean in front. Next slide. In Indonesia. Uh, graduation in Indonesia. Next slide. Uh, this pastor Doug has seen our building in, uh, and Gabe in uh, Fiji Islands. Next slide. Uh, student body in Fiji. Next slide. Uh, our children in our little Christian school in Fiji. Next slide. Uh, lunch room. Next slide. Uh, a new building project we've completed and that's actually helping. Hear this. Because it's tenanted. So these projects are now helping the ministry in Fiji to be self-sustaining. Now, we realize the very next breath we draw is given to us by God. So we can't exist without our creator. When I say self-sustaining, he promised to make us the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrow. So thank you, Jesus. Next slide. Yeah, we're done. That we, that's just the overview of the PowerPoint. We don't have to have the others. Um, so this morning, and you call it women of worth, Sister Fiona? High value. High value, women. So this morning, it's specially uh, the message as a, a special encouragement to the ladies, but it is just as applicable to all the men here. So let us uh, let me quick mention: there's uh, the third of my three books because the first two were sold out. is available for ten dollars a pop at the table in the back. If you want to, it's uh, five issues talking about finances. We just gave a testimony, didn't we? Finances, corners and markers in the church, but there's none in Palmyra, so that wouldn't apply. <laughs> Relationships in the body of Christ, leadership and submission and authority, which is very difficult, especially when you're conceal and carry. Okay. <laughs> How did I connect those two? I don't know, but somehow. I'm going to focus on some wonderful women of God from Scripture. And uh, remember, it applies just as much to every man sitting here. Uh, whether we've been a mom or not, even if you're a single lady, single, separated, married, widow, widowed, divorced, whatever, even if you never bore children biologically, you've still been like a mom to somebody. Uh, a niece or nephew, maybe uh, school kids, uh, nursery, whatever at the church, uh, maybe a neighbor's child. So, maybe adopted or fostered children. And by the way, from a biblical perspective, everyone is adopted. We've all been adopted into the family of God, every single one of us. Uh, by the way, it has been said that, uh, you know, if you have children, whether it's a, a nuclear family, blended family, however you want to call it, uh, that usually the, the mom in the house, the oldest kid she's got to take care of is the husband. 
<laughs> husband. <laughs> okay. Um, but every woman that walks with God has a story to tell. Before the glory or behind the glory, there's a story. If you talk to Sarah, she's like 90 in Abraham's hundred. Uh, let me read for you from Genesis 18, verses 11 and 12. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. She is way past menopausal. Those days are gone. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, so she laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my husband is old, shall I have pleasures? This must be some kind of joke, Gabe. You know, the angel. It's got to be a joke. Impossible for us to have children. But with God, nothing is... If you ask Sarah, tell me, what's your experience with God? Nothing is too hard for our God. And so, she has a son of promise, whose name is Isaac. And what does Isaac mean? Laughter, because she laughed when she heard the message. So now for the rest of your life, the last laugh's going to be on you, Sarah. Don't ever laugh at a word from God. Don't ever be dismissive or take it lightly. God's word will come to pass. The Lord Jesus said not one jot, that's like a dot over the eye, or tittle the cross over the T. Not one jot or tittle of my word shall ever pass away. Heaven and earth may pass away. So, she's got to wear it the rest of her life. Every time she calls her son, it's laughter echoing back at her. But she will tell you nothing. Don't ever doubt the word of God. Think about it in Eden. Lucifer through the serpent did not come to tempt Adam and Eve to steal, kill, or lie. He came to tempt them to doubt the word of God. Don't ever doubt the word of God. If you talk to Hagar, I mean, that's the act of the flesh where Sarah thought it's not going to be possible. Abram going into a younger handmaiden, uh, Hagar, and have a child through her because it ain't going to happen with me. And uh, that's where she doubted the Lord. And Hagar gets pregnant, and then Sarah becomes jealous. She gets Abram to chase her out. And when Hagar's in the wilderness, she's desolate, pregnant, despondent, God spoke to Hagar in that place. And we read in Genesis 16, 13. And Hagar called the name of the Lord, the title of God that she gave to God in that place, desolate and despondent. Thou, God, seest me. That's the old King James Version, which the Hebrew title is El-Roi, R-O-I. El-Roi, God, you see me. Sister or brother, no matter how desolate your situation may seem today, let those words of Hagar echo in your mind and soul. God, you see me. God, you see my circumstances. I'm as low as I ever thought I could get. But you see me and I know you will lift me up from the pit. There's a beautiful verse in Deuteronomy which says, The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath, I think it's Deuteronomy 29, 33, you can check it out. Underneath are the everlasting arms. In 
The Nazi concentration camp. We've all heard of the hiding place, the book, the movie. I encourage you to see the movie. If you haven't, Corrie ten Boom, her sister Betsy dies in the concentration camp. But before she dies, she tells Corrie, there is no pit. You think you're in a pit? There's no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. What an indomitable faith. And then she dies in the concentration. El Roy, God, you see me. You know my circumstances. And he then gave Hagar instructions to go back and later Ishmael was born. If you talk to Rahab, now this is actually one of my favorites in this list. You think, how? Listen closely. When we hear the name Rahab from the Bible, what's the phrase that follows it? Rahab the harlot, a prostitute. How is my favorite? Listen closely. When you, if you talk to Rahab, Rahab known as Rahab the harlot in the Bible, she will tell you that God can do anything can use anything and anyone at any time. God is able. You think you're down? Listen, you know the background of Rahab already. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 6 and then verse 18, we read, Israel had sent two spies into Jericho to spy out the land, the city. And uh, they went to the local red light area. <laughs> yeah, that, that brought it home, right? And so they found out that Rahab was a harlot and her house is on the city wall. So there was a window where she could actually end up letting them out to escape. But they take refuge in her place. And then the, the men of Jericho find out that these two Israelite spies are in their city. They send men and they were told where they were. They came to, but Rahab hit them, hid them on the roof. I'll read it for you. I said Joshua 2, 6. And Rahab brought them up to the roof and hid them under stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof on a house in Jericho. And so their lives were spared. They were not found by the men of, of Jericho. And they are very grateful to Rahab. It's the beginning of her story. Listen up. She then lets them down by a rope out of the window over the city walls. They tell her before they leave, when Israel comes, God is going to give Jericho to us. When we come and attack this place, hang this red rope. That is incredibly reminiscent of what the Israel had to do in Egypt when the final tenth plague was going to come with the angel of death. They had to kill a male lamb and then brush the blood on the two doorposts and the lintel above. And what did the angel of death do when he came? He would pass over you. That's why it's the feast of the Passover. And here you hang this red rope by which you are lowering us down to escape and to safety. And we will tell the soldiers of Israel where they see that scarlet thread, that red line, that red rope. That house is to be spared. So bring all your family and relatives into that house. Whoever's in your house, Rahab, will be spared. So we read verse 18. When we come in the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And bring your father, your mother, your brothers and father's household 
to your home. You think that's the end of Rahab? Not done yet. Leapfrog over from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Matthew begins with what many Christians would think, oh, what a boring uh, genealogical chapter, Matthew chapter 1. And would you believe, in Matthew chapter 1, starting the genealogy from Abraham, you come to verse 5. We, here's what we read. Matthew 1, 5. Se- now, now, being an English major, and he was my student, so I better get this right here. S-A-L-M-O-N in English is a fish, which is salmon. The L is silent. But in the genealogical name, and I even checked this online for the correct Hebrew pronunciation, there was a man named Salmon. S-A-L, you pronounce the L there phonetically. A man named Salmon, Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 we read, and Salmon became the father of Boaz by Rahab. God's not done with her yet. So, she obviously is saved and spared with her family and household. They come from Jericho to live among the inhabitants of Israel. And now she has a son by a Jewish man, Salmon, whose name is Boaz. What, what rings a bell with the name Boaz? Boaz marries a Moabitess girl named, uh, uh, and a widow named Ruth. And so, Rahab's son is Boaz. Boaz marries Ruth. They have a son named Obed, who has a son named Jesse, who has a son named David. And Jesus Christ, Messiah, is called Son of David. (gasps) Talk about the redemptive power of God. Literally, if you will allow me to use this expression, from the guttermost to the uttermost. She becomes the direct great, great grandmother of King David. Can you see how God can redeem anyone? Rahab will tell you God can use anything and anyone at any time. She was a harlot, a prostitute. My friend, I don't know what your background is. Sister, maybe you got pregnant in high school. Maybe you had all sorts of issues. Maybe, sir, you got into drugs and whatever. Who knows what not and messed up and Satan stole X number of years from your life. But God can redeem you from the guttermost to the uttermost. And cause you to leave a mark for his kingdom in this world with your redeemed life. Hallelujah. You talk to Hannah. She will tell you, my God answers prayer. My God is a prayer answering God. No, she was not drunk as the high priest Eli supposed when he heard her. I'll read it for you. In 1 Samuel 1, 13, 14, and 17. In verse 13, Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. We have so many beautiful old choruses and hymns. One of them, one line goes like this. He's as close as the mention of his name. 
us. You know the song. You don't have, I mean, there's a time to yell and shout. Jehoshaphat led Israel and then they walked around also when Israel walked around Jericho and praised God. But God is able to hear the whisper of your heart, my friend. I, I, I will share this, I'll try and share this tactfully. In, in uh, one of the countries we have a Bible college in, the one that Pastor Doug has not been to yet. <laughs> Five times a day on loudspeakers, they call people to prayer on megaphones, making a loud noise. And you know, we used to sing another song years ago. God's not dead. No, he is alive. So my takeoff from that for those people is, my God's not deaf. No. You don't have to shout over a microphone and be yelling and screaming for God to hear you. He can hear the whisper of your heart. Only her lips moved to the extent that Eli thought she was drunk. He said, woman, what are you coming in here drunk for? She said, my Lord, sir, I'm not drunk as you suppose. I'm crying out to God to give me a son. If he gives me a son, I'll give him back to him right here in this temple in Jerusalem. And when Eli heard that in verse uh, 14 and 17, so Eli said to her, put away your wine from you. Verse 17, then Eli said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And what was that little boy's name? Samuel, whom God literally called out to. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Literally, audibly called him. Samuel, Sam, what a precious child who became a mighty prophet and judge over Israel. In fact, he's one of those you can hardly throw a stone against his character and integrity in the Bible. So Hannah will tell you, my God answers prayer. Don't, don't despair, my friend. Some certain request you saying, God, I've been crying out for my child, for my situation, for whatever it may be, for so long. God is a prayer answering God. If you talk to Ruth, she will tell you, it's not over till God says it's over. It's not over till God says it's over. Her mother-in-law Naomi and her husband Elimelech leave Israel because there was a famine in the land and they come to Moab. So we already heard about Rahab who was from Jericho. They come to Moab. And there, there are two sons, Marlon and Killian, married two Moabitess girls, Orpha and Ruth. And we know the story. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. Both her sons, Marlon and Killian, die. And who's left? Naomi with the two Moabitess daughters-in-law. And we know the story there. She says, now the famine is done in Israel. I'm going to go back. You're going to stay here. They come partially and then part of the way. And Ruth prevails and says, please go back. I don't have sons to bear anymore that you can marry. And so, Orpha goes back. But Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Your people will become my people. And your God, my she makes that break. She basically becomes adopted into the people of Israel. And they're the, 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 the farmette 
is dilapidated. Is, is, the ground is fallow. And Ruth goes out to glean barley from the fields. It was an Israelite custom from God through Moses. When you do your harvesting, leave something on the edges for the poor to come. Ruth goes to pick up barley. Poor. Nothing to offer. And whose eyes should light on her? A man named Boaz, who's the owner of the field. He's struck by her. You can read the story. He actually tells his workers, leave a little extra for that gal. And long story short, we know that Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. Boaz is the son of Rahab. The son of someone we would say, not my dad. And now, the son of a woman from Jericho marries a girl from Moab. Just in case we ever develop an attitude thinking we're just this, you know, we are the elect. <laughs> we are God so loved the world, my friend. No exemptions. So I'm pure. What's your background? Look at me. I'm a hybrid. And in case you missed it, Hybrids are disease resistant and produce better fruit. <laughs> Don't you prefer seedless watermelon? Come on. <laughs> so, Boaz is already a hybrid because his mom's from Jericho, his dad's from Israel. Now he marries a Moabitess. Think about that. In fact, just this little freebie here. Part of the time when David was trying to escape from Saul, he goes to Moab because he has some relatives there. Ding, 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 ding. See? So, anyway. So, Boaz's eyes alight on her. He ends up marrying her. Ruth 4, verses 13 and 14. So, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son. That's Obed. Then the women said to Naomi, her mother-in-law, Blessed be the Lord. So Ruth and Boaz's son is Obed, whose son is Jesse, whose son is David. So Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David. Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. Our God shows zero bias or discrimination against anyone he doesn't, look, he doesn't look at the color of our skin, but he surely looks at the color of our heart. Is it washed by the blood of Jesus? That's it. Hallelujah. If you ask or talk to Esther, she will tell you, God can turn a nobody into a somebody. You know, Esther was born an orphan. We have to dig into or delve into the Midrash. M-I-D-R-A-S-H. The Midrash, let me read it by definition. It's a rabbinic work that interprets scripture. Like there are parts of scripture that are silent. How can I tell you Esther was an orphan? According to the Midrash, and the Jews are sharp, they keep very accurate records. Esther's father dies while her mother's pregnant. So she never gets to see her dad. Her mother dies at or after childbirth. 
So she's basically born an orphan. Esther's father, this is from the Midrash, is an uncle to Mordecai. So Mordecai and Esther are cousins, but Mordecai is significantly older. We know that. You can have a cousin who's a lot older than us, right? So he takes over as little innocent baby girl Esther's legal guardian. Mordecai. And he brings her up. What a tragic start in life. And then God uses Mordecai groom her, and they, then they have the world's first ever. It's all in the Bible, not in Hollywood, friend. The world's first beauty pageant. It's not Miss USA, Miss Universe, forget about it, Miss Pennsylvania. No way, Jose. In the Bible. And it wasn't a country, it was an empire. The, the Persian Empire. And of the beauty pageant, Who's the winner? It's Esther. She wins the world's first ever beauty pageant. Esther 2.17 reads, The king loved Esther more than all the other women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen. And we know the rest of the story how Satan works through a man, an evil man named Haman, like the prime minister of the country who wants to obliterate and exterminate all the Jews, thanks to Mordecai not kowtowing to him, etc. And then, when the edict is signed by the king, and a date is set for the extermination or obliteration of the Jewish people, Mordecai says to Esther, Who knows that God has brought you to the palace for such a time as this. Don't think you will escape because of your position. So God ends up using Esther to save the lives of her entire people. Technically, she becomes, we only associate the term deliverer with Moses. She becomes a deliverer of her people. Because she undergoes a three-day fast with her handmaidens. Because if the king did not accept you uninvited into his presence, your life was forfeit. But she said, if I perish, I perish. She was willing to put it all on the line. And when she came stunning into the king's presence, he put forth a scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? Welcome. She said, if I, she put her life on the line for the sake of her people. So, if you ask Esther, she will tell you that God can turn an orphan, a nobody, into a somebody, queen of an empire. If you talk to Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, she will tell you that you can carry. Sister, you might feel, I've not accomplished anything in life. Nobody even knows who I am. Elizabeth will tell you that you can carry and give birth to greatness. Luke 1.41 Mary steps across the threshold into the house and here's Elizabeth already about six months advanced pregnancy over Mary. Mary is pregnant with baby Jesus. Elizabeth with John the Baptist. And we read. So, And by the way, they're both cousins. Elizabeth and 
Mary, which means John the Baptist and Jesus are second cousins. So they probably messed around, ran around, played stuff together. The angel, uh, verse Luke one forty one. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 11, 11, Among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Elizabeth will tell you, you can carry and give birth to greatness. It doesn't necessarily, sir or ma'am, have to be a physical baby. It can be a vision that God has given you. You can carry and give birth to greatness. And if you say, I'm not qualified, I'm not articulate, you're just the person God is looking for. Just the person God is looking for. If you talk to Mary, she will tell you. You might say, Brother Andrew, what's significant about the statement from Mary that you're sharing? If you talk to Mary, she will tell you. In Luke 1, 28, 30, and 38, the angel, Gabriel, says to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The angel said to her, verse 30, Don't be afraid. Of course she would have been terrified. You have an angelic apparition coming and talking to you out of the blue. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 38, Then Mary's. I mean, this is all in, in a minute of time. You know, so she's got to process this very quickly. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What's so profound about that? She had every right to reject the proposition being offered by Gabriel. In those nanoseconds, her brain would have processed the fact that she would have been potentially ridiculed by the community for being pregnant before being married. And we're talking 2,000 years ago. And what about potential rejection by her parents? All that being done, she says, being processed, she says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. May I submit, dear sister and brother today, that many times we thwart the fulfillment of what God wants to do through us because of our personal fear of rejection. Many times we thwart the fulfillment of what God wants to do through us because of our personal fear of rejection. What will the people say? What will they say about me? How will I be treated? Mary is very powerful. Let it be unto me according to your word. In other words, I'm completely submitted to the perfect will of my creator. That's what we were put on this earth for, right? Needless to say, I've thought of this. Being a man, it's impossible for me to have this thought, but if I were a woman, I thought, Lord, I'd love to have had that privilege. But God chose Mary. <laughs> and by the way, on the lighter side, on the lighter side, this gentleman was absent from work. And in the modern America we're living in today, I said, if I were a woman, so I thought I'd just put some light on that. 
He was absent from work and his boss calls him and he says, where are you? He says, well, I identify as transparent. <laughs> and my adjectives are, where? <laughs> so, you get the drip, just exposing the nonsense. So, praise God, hallelujah. In wrapping this together, I felt impressed to share a couple real life testimonies from my late mother. My parents are with Jesus. She was a woman of tremendous faith. Dad had great Bible knowledge. I always admired him for that. But she was a woman of great faith. So my late dad was the president of the Bombay Dockyard Labor Union. It was basically like a mafia don. Seriously. He said I used to smoke. I was a chain smoker and I'd have my adult beverage, which is the modern American equivalent for whiskey. <laughs> I'd have my whiskey neat. That's how bad he was. Not, not to talk about other aspects of his life, whatever they were. One day he's coming home and in a street corner he heard someone preaching the gospel on the streets of Bombay. He was raised Catholic. And he never heard the gospel spoke, shared that way. He becomes born again and gets saved. And from that day forward, God speaks to him and says, I want you to quit your job and preach the gospel. I wasn't yet born because I'm the seventh of nine children. Only the first three boys were born. And by the way, all, all seven were boys. Then the only girl and then one more boy. So nine plus dad and mom, we had a soccer team at home. But I can't explain this. I just so happened I'm the seventh son in succession. An Irish Catholic nun who was the head of the maternity department in the city there had met all my family except me yet. And I came riding in on my motorcycle one evening. She was at home because one of my brothers had adopted a girl, a little baby girl that was being thrown away. So that's how we had the tie-in. And she heard I, there was Andrew. Who was the seventh son? You know, and I walked in, took off my helmet, and she said, you must be Andrew. I said, you must be Mother Virginia. She was in a habit. And she said, yes. She said, you are the seventh son in succession to open the womb. In Ireland, you cannot get any luckier than that. And she's trying to kiss the luck out of my cheeks. <laughs> All true stories. Like, I'm like, I can tell you today, I don't know about luck, but I can testify to the blessings of God, if you're obedient to his high and holy calling on your life. So I wasn't yet born. I'm number seven. There were only three sons born at that time when dad gets saved. And he refuses to quit his job. Come on, as men, we can relate to this. What's going to happen? It wasn't just his paycheck. His power, position, president. If he called a strike, that's, I think, the third biggest seaport on earth. If he called a strike, I think it's Rotterdam, Singapore, Bombay. That's how it is. No crate would have been taken off the ship. So he refused to resign. Who will feed my wife and three sons if I quit my job? And most of us men here, you can relate to this. Some ladies too, maybe. So he becomes very, very ill. My mom used to be a nurse. He had chronic bronchial asthma with double pneumonia. He's down to 98 Pounds in weight. I'm not yet born. God had a plan for me to come. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit speaking, I want you to quit your job and preach the gospel. If I do that, who 
feed my wife and three sons. They were well to do enough home visits by the doctor. Doctor comes, he's coughing up some blood too. He checks out my dad. Before he leaves, he tells my mother at the door, I'm sorry, Mrs. Taylor, but I'll give your husband about three days to live. Those days, they didn't have American tissues. You had cloth handkerchiefs. She pulled out the handkerchief and she starts to cry. The doctor's gone. But my dad overheard what the doctor said to my mom while he's lying on his deathbed. One more time, the Holy Spirit said, will you quit your job and preach the gospel? Who will feed my wife and three sons? Did you hear what the doctor just told your wife? So some of us are just so bullheaded, you know. Just, oh, I'm saying, maybe some of my dad's genes rubbed off on me. Please ask Anne, she'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> yes, Lord, I heard what the doctor said. You tell me in three days who will feed your wife and three sons. Okay, Lord, I'll resign. The moment he made that decision, Reverend D.S. Paul, a diminutive little Indian preacher in Bombay. They, they knew each other after dad got saved. He's going home by bus. It's not America where everyone has their cards. You know. The Holy Spirit speaks to him on the bus. Get off this bus. Take the other bus. Go back to L.B. Taylor's house. I want you to lay hands on him and pray for him. I'm going to raise him up. He got off the bus, comes obediently, knocks on the door. Mom still got the handkerchief. Come in, Reverend Paul. Your friend is dying. Sister Taylor, the Lord asked me to do such and such. He came, laid hands on my dad. Dad did not, somebody needs to hear this today, or somebody online. Dad did not receive a gradual healing. He received an instantaneous miracle in his body. Now he's still 98 pounds. His beard has grown over time. With that weak hand, it took a few, like a week and a half of good beef broth and everything else to get back some energy. With a weak hand, on the spot, he signed his resignation letter as president of the Bombay Dockyard Labor Union and his job. And when he was strong enough again, about 10 days, he was walking the street of Bombay, streets of Bombay, not with one placard like John 3.16, Romans 3.23, three, four placards and a handheld megaphone. It wasn't even battery operated. Walking the streets of Bombay. And I was blessed to see those signs of outreach in the community. Preaching about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And all his former colleagues thought that L.B. Taylor had become stark, raving mad. I was born four sons later. I'm the seventh son of Leslie and Dorothy Taylor. So, number one. When they moved out living on faith, there was a day when there was absolutely no food in the house. I'm not yet born, remember this. And the three little boys tugging on mom's skirt, mom, for breakfast. We're hungry, mom. We're hungry. There's nothing in the house. She said, let's sing the doxology. And she led them in singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. What blessing? There's no food in the house. They finish the four lines. There's a knock on the door. The 
town Scrooge. Mr. Barden, wealthy man. His wife had gone out of town for a week. In those days, a modern generation may can't probably relate to this. In those days, the milkman would come every morning and place a bottle of milk at your doorstep. I mean, you paid for it at the end of the month, you know. And the baker would come with his bin and put a loaf of bread. There was oversupply because a man had gone out of town, the Scrooge's wife. And the Scrooge, God used the ravens to feed Elijah, remember? Scrooge said to his butler, take this extra bread and milk to the preacher's house. Then I was born. (laughs) And we moved from a little town to the big smoke of the city of Bangalore, which is the world's IT hub today. In fact, over the last two months, I found out that the American government and Australian governments are both opening embassies in Bangalore. That's how significant it has become. And that's where you get all your call center guys. We move there, I'm eight years of age, and my mother needs admission, now the oldest guys had graduated from high school, for the next four boys, and I was the fourth of those four. She chose the most elite, private, Protestant school, a British-founded school in the city of Bangalore. You can Google it, Bishop Cotton Boys High School. It was ranked number two in a country of 1.3 billion people. Four playing fields, swimming pool, tennis courts, basketball, the works. You can imagine the fees, the tuition. She met with the principal. And she shared with him, I'd like my boys to be admitted, Reverend Thomas. He was a Welshman. And so, what does your husband do? He's, a, he's an evangelist. He took a memo and he wrote, admit the four Taylor boys. He handed it to her and said, if you go to the office, they'll be admitted. And then she said, Reverend Thomas, we can't afford the tuition. He took the memo back and put a hyphen and in full caps, F-R-E-E. I'm one of those boys. One of my classmates, my closest friend, he retired as a rear admiral in the Indian Navy. He's in Toronto. We are in touch with each other. Another, another one of my classmates, Kartik, he was in charge, listen closely, to the commissioning of the first ever made in India aircraft carrier. And then you have Andrew Taylor. <laughs> but a servant of the most high God, hallelujah. And they know it. I was a scholarship student. You know what? At snack time, recess time, hear this. They were all well-to-do. Parents were engineers, doctors, high achievers. They would have pocket money to go to the snack shop. The two and a half boys who would be my friends, I stayed far away from the snack shop. You know why? I had nothing to buy. No pocket money. I didn't want to lose the two friends I had because they think I'm coming after them for that pocket money. So I stayed far away just just be my friend. And guess what? In 2014, after about 44 years or something, we had our first ever class reunion at Andrew Taylor's house. God can turn your circumstances on his head. 
but don't ever become pompous or arrogant. I thank God for my humble beginnings. It instilled values. Maybe you can connect with me. It instilled values in me that I'll never forget the rest of my days. I'm beyond content with what God has blessed me with. I have to share the rest. I can't keep it to myself. So, admit the four Taylor boys. Free. Mom will tell you about the first incident about the food being delivered. Psalm 37, 25. She used to quote this. I have been young and I'm now old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. Another favorite of, of my mom's. From the word of God. She a woman of faith. With this, uh, admit the four Taylor boys free. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God can get you admission and on a full scholarship too. And at the age of eight or nine, I can't remember. Dad was now a traveling evangelist. And we had only two sleepable rooms in the house, apart from your dining and bath. So all the older boys slept in this one room, mattresses on the floor with mosquito nets. I always remember that. And Andrew, Becky, Paul, the three youngest, eight, six, and four, when dad was gone, we'd sleep on mattresses on the floor in their bedroom, and mom on her bed. After lights out, when dad was gone, she would tell us Bible stories. Now leave the financial hardship aside. When we would go to Sunday school, I was shocked that other children did not know about David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den. Mama taught me all the Bible stories. You know, we might have been poor in the world's eyes, but I was rich in the word of God. So I'm now eight. Every night before bedtime, Bible stories. Every night. And that's in addition to our devotions as a family. So mom and the three of us standing by her bedside, she would tell us Bible stories. And one night, she came to the crucifixion of Jesus. I couldn't handle it. The lights were off. I ran to a corner. In the dark, I ran in a corner. And I sobbed away. I finished. I came back. Nobody caught me. Next night, I said, Mom, Mom, can you tell me about the crucifixion? I'm only eight. I can't explain this. She shared about the crucifixion. I ran to the corner again. I couldn't contain my sobs. My sister, six years old, said, Mom, Mom, Andrew's crying. She said, come here, my son. Why are you crying? I said, Mom, how could they do such a cruel thing to Jesus? And she said, mothers, fathers, God used her to prophesy over my life. Listen to what she said. God has his hand on this boy's life. She may have long forgotten it. I never did. God has his hand on this boy's life. The depth of my comprehension I cannot explain. But I could not bear. I just knew that I knew that Jesus was real. How can they do such a thing to the most kind person that ever walked the earth? And then, 
at the age of 12, the last of them. Thank you. But I've learned never to blow your nose into microphone. Can someone dim my mic for a second? Is the mic off? Is it turned off for a second? Of grade 8, we had our daily devotions. Dad was away out of town. And that night for devotions, my mom used to use a devotional book in addition to the Bible. And the lesson was from John chapter 1, the reading about how God used Andrew to bring his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. And I'm number seven of nine. Remember, this is like a ping, uh, it's literally like a ping pong table. We used to play ping pong on that table. But we used to use books as a net, you know. You know what I'm talking about. And after she did that reading, she said in front of all my older brothers, I named this boy Andrew. Listen to this word, a prophetic word. I named this boy Andrew so that when he grew up, if some of his older brothers had not yet made a commitment to Christ, that he would bring them to Jesus. I never forgot that. And God has given me the high privilege and great honor of leading people to Christ, including last week in the morning on the pickleball courts. A man and his wife, she's a believer, he held my hand to pray to ask Jesus into his heart. Wherever you are, it's your mission field, my friend. So, parents, moms and dads, be bold and speak the word of God and the word of life into and over your children. Yeah. In closing, and I asked uh, Pastor Doug if I could sing a little, it's, uh, it's not country western, it's a down south song, but it has a powerful message. I learned this as a child. So, uh, We need a little volume on these two. There, it's coming. Thank you. Oh, I had to press this, is it? Oh, it's all on, I think, now. Oh, yeah, he taught me that. Yeah. So, in honor of all the ladies, women of value, and men too, it applies to us all. I had a home down in Texas. Bonnets grow. I had the kindest of mothers. How happy we were, just we two. One day the angels called her. That debt we all have to pay. She called me close to her bedside. Last few words to say, son, don't start drinking or gambling. Promise you'll always go straight. Ten years have passed since that party. That promise I broke, I must say. I started. In the end, I was just like them all. 
so grateful that I encountered the gospel when I was 12. But you know what? It doesn't matter what age you are. You need to encounter the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. I want Pastor Nelson and Nadine to come up and Dr. Fiona to come up. And, um, you know, maybe you have a need in your life. You need God to touch you. Well, these are anointed people that are here to pray with you. So if you have a need in your life, if you need to know Jesus, you can uh, know him. If you need to be healed, uh, they can lay hands on you for healing. Uh, whatever you need, God has it for you. Amen? We serve a good God, and he loves you, and He's he very much wants to be involved in every area of your life. So if you have a, a, a need that you would uh, like to pray about, you can come and receive prayer uh, right now in the name of Jesus for whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise for leading, guiding, and directing your servants of God today. They have not only shared their heart, but, Lord, they have represented your kingdom very well. And we're so grateful and thankful for the message that was brought to us today. Lord, we're going to get a hold of it in the name of Jesus. So if you have a need, I just want you to come up right now. And one of these will pray for you. You can just come up to them directly in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. And I just want you to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want you to use me like you've used people in my life. I want you to use me to reach out to other people and to touch them in the name of Jesus and to be a blessing. Oh, Father, we give you thanks and praise for your mighty, mighty move. If you're struggling in an area of life, please come and receive prayer in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, you won't leave like the same way that you came. You'll be changed in Jesus' name. Oh, we give you thanks and praise, Father. Thank you for moving mightily in the name of Jesus. starts right here. It starts with people that you know, your relatives, your friends, your co-workers, neighbors, even strangers. Amen? And uh, while we were at our minister's retreat, uh, on the way back home, we were in a restaurant. And, you know, I always try to strike up a conversation a little bit with about Jesus. And um, we, we had this waitress, she was the only one in the restaurant, so she was kind of doing everything, hosting and waiting. And, and we just began to talk with her a little bit. And uh, she was getting ready to change something in her life, and we just encouraged her that when she went home that night, 
just to ask Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She always went to church, but, and, you know, when we just started talking with her, she just said, you know, it's funny that you're saying that to me. You don't know how God's going to use you, but you just open up your mouth and let the Holy Spirit give you the words. Amen. Thank you, Andrew and Ann. We're so pleased to have you here. Thank you for sharing. Father, I give you thanks and praise for the people of BCF and all that, those who have come today and those who have watched. And Lord, we just honor you. We receive your word. And we're going to be what you want us to be. And we're going to do what you want us to do. And we're going to go where you want us to go. And out of Palmyra, Pennsylvania, not only are we going to touch Palmyra, but we are going to touch the world with the gospel. We are going to help people find their inheritance and treasure in the word and to help them find their purpose so that God's kingdom can be increased in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Have an awesome and a wonderful day and a great and wonderful week.